0: First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org.
1: Just because you're tired, you give up when you're finished. And there's still a lot more to do. There's still a lot more countries where there are literally thousands and thousands of children living on the streets. And more and more, the passion in my heart grows for those children.
0: He moved from England to Guatemala with almost nothing of this world's goods. We'll find out why and what has been accomplished as you stay tuned now to First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and coming up, you'll meet Duncan Dyson. First Person is a series of interviews with people from all walks of life who are serving Jesus Christ with their lives. We enjoy bringing you a new story every week, and over time, we've spoken with hundreds of guests. Each and every conversation is online for listening anytime. Just go to FirstPersonInterview.com and click on the red Listen Now button to scroll through the list. FirstPersonInterview.com All right, let's meet this week's guest. I briefly met Dunk Dyson a few years ago when he stopped in Chicago, and I was immediately attracted to his story. He'll explain his ministry to street children. First, we go back a few years to our previous interview... Then he'll join us for an update in the second half of this program recorded just recently. And there is additional informational links to his ministry at FirstPersonInterview.com.
1: Guatemala is a very interesting country. Um, it uh, was the, originally the capital of Central America. And I was drawn there because of a television program I watched in the United Kingdom back in 1991. television program was called They Shoot Children, Don't They? Oh, it's kind and of an a, ominous ri- title. It, well, It captured my attention. The red text came up on the screen and I'd never heard about the situation of children living on the streets before. But not only were they living on the streets of this Central American country, Mm. but they were being hunted down by police, tortured and killed just because they were seen to be a nuisance. Mm hmm. Up until this time, you didn't have any awareness of this as a as an issue. These street kids had no idea that street children existed. The millions of street children there were over, according to UNICEF, then there was over a hundred million children living on the streets of cities all over um, the the world. And 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 to to hear the statistics of five thousand street children living in this very small Central American country, Guatemala, was quite. Shocking, but then harrowing to watch this documentary unfold and to see the children and how they were living and how they were being uh, literally just hunted down um, just like vermin yeah, but you watch this television program, how do you know what to do next?
0: I mean, you had a heart to do something what what did you do
1: well i didn 't really know what to do next because i was i was I was in shock really. Um, But then I started to investigate um, the the organization that I'd seen on the television at the time. And also I bought a couple of books about street children. I started reading and I was really challenged by... Um, the, the plight of the children, but also to see how this organization was trying to help them um, in, in, in all sorts of ways, providing them homes, uh, offering them protection, uh, offering them services on the streets to try and keep them alive and keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And you feel that God was the one who was prompting your heart to follow this thread. Well, I knew very clearly at the time that something was happening within me. Uh, it wasn't until I went back um, and just spent some time praying about this and then uh, went to meet my minister, um, and I had a very good relationship with him. I'd, at that time, I'd, I'd been working with him for four years as his youth pastor. Mm. We'd got on really well, almost like really good friends. He still comes to visit me now, and um, he, he was chatting with me, and I said to him, look, I've got to tell you something that's really close on my heart. I saw this program and I told him about the program. And uh, he said, I saw that program as well. Isn't it? it wasn't it hor- horrific? And I said, Well, I really feel, and this was the hard bit, I really feel a tug to go and to get involved. And uh, he was just silent. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going to be really <laughs> angry with me. And he said, he said, isn't that amazing? He said, because uh, after I watched that program, God just said to me, uh, as I was praying with my wife that night, he said, God's told me that Duncan's going to come to you. No way. And he is going really? to be called to this ministry. And so you are called to serve him. And uh, he told me this, and I almost broke down in tears. And so he said, what I want you to do is go back home and uh, find out how much a flight is to Central America. Uh, We'd love to send you there as a church just to see just for a couple of weeks to see the organization, to see what's happening. And that just started a whole chain of quite miraculous events Hmm. that led to the place where I am now, living in Guatemala. And
0: you didn't have all the support in the world behind you. You just went, I think you told me, yourself in a backpack, went to Guatemala City.
1: I had nothing. I had We had no money at all. And uh, so moving there, and, and make I'd made contact with this organization, Cas Alianza, they'd invited me for this two-week tour. I went with a friend of mine from church, who'd also seen the program. And uh, when I went round to him, um, he I was saying to him, this is what I'd like to do. I'd love to go out to Guatemala. And uh, he said that he was praying for me that night of that television program. And he said, as I was praying for you, God said, get yourself ready to support Duncan. <laughs> that is powerful. And so he said, what I want to try to do is if, you, if you're if you going to go out to Central America and live there, I want to be the one that raises the money for you. And so he committed himself to raise the money. The church got behind me. And it was it was It was incredible. Um, And so when I got there, after all these, I mean, these are just a couple of miraculous things, but so many things happen. I thought incredible things are going to be happening now, Hmm. you know, Um, because God has really called me. Okay, that was how many years ago? Uh, That was 27 years
0: ago. 27 years ago. So after all these years, and we'll talk about all that's gone on in those intervening years, but after all these years, to look back on that, that is a clear, compelling call from God in
1: your life. I knew it was a very clear call. What I didn't realize is the pain that was going to go along with ah, it. Ah, okay. So when you go to Guatemala City, what what did you find? So I got to Guatemala City and I started working with this organization. Um, they were not... the The people... Um, who were directing the organisation, were very keen, but the people on the streets were not keen for me to work with them at all. Mm. Um, They made it very clear right from the beginning they did not want me to be involved in the organisation. They refused me entry to the premises to begin with. Um, And then eventually when they spoke to the directors and they said, no, this, this is a volunteer, we want you to work with him, and they took me on the streets and they put me through... Almost like an initiation process. I didn't realize that some of the things that were happening to me, like the machete that one of the teenagers put on my throat and uh, pressed it in hard. And he said, if you ever come back again, I will kill you. Mm. And I didn't realize it was one of the workers that was behind that. Um, that didn't come from him, but it came from one of the one of the workers that I was su- supposed to work with. So there were difficult times. I was expecting amazing things to happen, yeah. but amazing things didn't happen. Well, what kept you there? They, what
0: kept you from going back home and say, okay, that's it?
1: Well, um, it was difficult. The first year was the the hardest year of my life, I think, because we were burying so many children. We were seeing so I was seeing so much. Um, uh, hurt and pain and torture uh, and and death. You having to deal with these things, violence on a daily basis, threats against your own life. And I'm thinking, why am I here? What what is it that I'm doing here? And I just had to, because the call was so clear and it was so strong. That's what held me there. Mm. Um, that because God has called you to do something, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And sometimes I, I know, I had this. Uh, in, in, image that it would be really easy but it wasn't it was really difficult um but i stuck at it and because i knew that that god had called me to a country and when I prayed about it one day, uh, these words just came into my head, whether they were from God or not, I really believe they were, but it was that God was going to use Guatemala as, uh, as, as an example, as a blessing to the nations mm. of what he could do. So here was a country, 36 years of civil war. Uh, this was a country that was in a massive amounts of poverty uh, with all the things that were happening on the streets. And who would have thought that God could take that country, take that nation and change it around to be the blessing that it is now to so many nations around the world. What are the problems that you encounter on the street with kids? So what we were finding is uh, that the the most distressing was seeing children dying on the streets, um, but also seeing children y- as young as five been enticed into street gangs of of, of of other children and been shown how to abuse drugs, how to uh, solvents, how to get involved in prostitution. The gang how becomes to, their family? The gang becomes their family. And very quickly they're initiated into that family and all the things that go along with being part of that gang. That portion
0: of our interview was recorded a few years ago, but in a moment we'll get an update from Guatemala with Dunk Dyson. Here's Ed Cannon on the vision for FEBC's weekly podcast. The primary purpose of Until All Have Heard, of course, is to share the experience that FEBC has because we have staff on the ground in so many oppressive places. But in addition to that, we're trying to speak to you in a way that only the kind of testimonies you'll hear from around the globe can do. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is Dunk Dyson, and it is now 2023. We talked to you a few years ago and heard that conversation, or at least part of it a few moments ago, Dunk, but you got to bring us up to date. You're still in Guatemala City, right?
1: I'm still here, Wayne, still working away. Over 30 years now, being here.
0: Wow, is that right? It's uh, it's got to be uh, something to look back on those years and just see how God has led you all that way.
1: It has been an incredible journey, it really has. Yeah. Well, bring us up to date. What's it been like the last four years? Well, the last four years, I think the last three have been particularly dominated by what has happened globally um, and the pandemic. Uh, but even though things were closed and even though uh, it was very limited of what we could do, God still opened up some amazing opportunities for us to be able to go and minister to people, um, even with the police out on the streets preaching the gospel. Um, And and it's been incredible what God has done here, both in Guatemala and through the ministry, over these uh, what has been some really difficult years.
0: Four years ago when we spoke, you considered Guatemala to be a pivotal place in the world. Do you still feel that way?
1: I still feel that 100%. And it's amazing to see how more of that ministry, how much more of that vision is becoming a reality.
0: How has the ministry changed over these past few years?
1: I think what has happened, Wayne, is that we have been able to see the, the growth in the mentoring program. And as we've reached to more children and young people, that at risk of street life targeted them, Uh, with the mentoring program, putting a caring, consistent adult in their life, a Christian that is with them to help them, pray with them, support them, and uh, just to see how they have made really, really good decisions. For example, one of the things that we know that uh, that national statistics tell us here that 67% of children make it through to the end of junior school, and uh, the majority of those children drop out. Uh, whereas those that go into the mentoring program, that number rises to 98% of wow. children that make it through to junior school, but also 98% then go on to secondary school and to college as a result of being in the mentoring program. And so we are amazingly excited uh, by all that God is doing in in helping us buck the trend here. Yeah. Well, who are the mentors? So mentors are local Christian people from local churches here. They're all volunteers. We've got 38 of them now, hoping to grow the mentoring program in the next uh, year or two. Uh, Now, people are less fearful about coming out. Um, Now, the COVID restrictions have been dropped just before Christmas. And so we're able to now start a new recruiting campaign, which we did. Uh, last week actually so uh, we're we're excited to see that a lot of people want to come and be be involved in this project and you're mentoring the mentors in other words right so spending a lot of my time now yeah doing that and trying to reduce my contact time with children uh, each year which is because not that I don't like children but uh, I think my my gifts maybe and talents could be used a lot more helping many many others do the work that I've been doing
0: yeah When you first went there, of course, it was to minister to street kids. Are there still kids living on the streets in this day and age?
1: Uh, In Guatemala City, we five years ago got that number down to zero from from 5,000 when I first moved there 30 years ago to to zero. And since then, we've had no more new children living on the streets. Uh, Guatemala is one of the first countries in Latin America where we're able to achieve that. Following that will be in Honduras. And uh, we're looking to see how we can help other countries as well get their street child populations down to zero.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you if it's spreading around Central America at all. Sounds like it is. So that's it that's is. very exciting in and of itself, isn't it? So yes, wonderful. It is. And uh, the facilities you have now—this is like an after-school mentoring program, or how does it work? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, well, we've uh, managed to get a donation of another mentoring center um, since we last spoke, so we now have two. Mentoring centres, one particularly geared to young people thirteen plus, and uh, we've also got a protection home that we've had to open up to offer short term protection and care for children and families at risk. And the, but the mentoring centres is, is a a really caring place where children can come. It's a safe place where they can come, um, where they've been working on the streets or whether they come from these gang controlled areas. Uh, and we bring them into the mentoring centre. The last two years, because the national schools have been closed, we decided, um, and it was a real step of faith that we would educate all the sixty-five children in our program here. Oh my in goodness, Guatemala City! And so we took on that role of the of the government of educating all these kids, and uh, only two dropped out of the program throughout the whole year, and one of those is because they migrated north to the United States. So we're very pleased with their school results, uh, 25% on average, more than the national trend. Um, And then now the children are going back into the national school system, and so our centers are turning back into mentoring centers rather than schools. And this is all gospel-centered. It's the love
0: of Christ that compels you to do this.
1: It is the love of Christ and we, it's amazing to see what God is doing in changing the lives of these kids and how they are so excited now. We've got more and more of our older young people who are now 17, 18, who are at that point where they now want to to travel, that they want to tell others about what God has done in their lives. And next month, our first missionary will be leaving Guatemala. He's 19. Um he was an 11-year-old boy living on the rubbish dump when I found him, uh, and what God has done in his life is nothing short of an absolute miracle. And then he's going to England um, in late February this year to have an interview for a youth organization who would like to train him to be a youth worker.
0: That's an amazing story. I, 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 I'm almost stunned and don't, don't know how to respond to that because that that's what you are all about, isn't it? That's that story is a uh, in, in composite what you're doing
1: um I think it's incredible it's incredible what God is doing in the lives of these kids. One of the the kids that I was speaking to recently she was asked to to talk to a group of visiting um, uh, visitors from from the United States and she started giving her testimony about how from the age of five six uh, she was uh, horrendously abuse, lots of sexual abuse in her life, mm. how her family told her that she would come to nothing. And she said, I had in my heart um, that I would go on to be a doctor, something I've always wanted to do since I was a young child. And she said, I know that this is what God has put in my heart. When she was 11, she was forced to work in a, one of these bars here in a, a really seedy area, of Guatemala city, uh, where she was um, late at night working in these bars in this skimpy dress dress dancing for these drunk men who were given money uh, to reveal more and more. Uh, But fortunately, she's been rescued from that. And uh, that desire to be a doctor has not changed. And just before uh, December last year, I took her to a college because her school grades was just so incredible. And uh, she said, why are you bringing me here? And I showed her this was a college that trains doctors. And she's there now. She was there this morning. (laughs) She'll be there tomorrow. And uh, I've got this great photo of her with a huge smile on her face, with a stethoscope, with all her school books. She's got a school, She's got a uniform that she has to wear. Um, And then two years later, um, she will be in two years time. She'll be going on to university to train to be uh, a, a medical doctor. She wants to be a pediatrician and serve God in that way. Could you imagine this 30 years ago when you set out on this journey? <laughs> There's no way I would imagine all the stories that I, I wish I could be here for hours telling you stories yeah. of how lives have been transformed. But it, it's what God does, Wayne. Yeah. It really is what God does. And yeah. it's incredible that he allows us to be part of that.
0: You arrived in that country with a backpack, as I recall. Uh, Not even knowing the language, and 30 years later, (laughs) looking back on how God uh, continues to use you and others there, it's it's quite exciting. But it's all—it's not all great news. This is a sad day for you, and I understand that. And thank you for taking time to talk to us, because you got some bad news today, didn't you?
1: Well, one of the girls uh, that—well, she's a young lady um, I've known for many, many years. One of the last adults that I knew as a child living on the streets here— uh, there's only three of them left from those early days. Uh, Erica always had a huge smile on her face. Uh, we found her dead in the streets yesterday. Oh. And uh, it was just really upsetting to see uh, the condition that she was in. And uh, we're now obviously going through the the process of planning funeral and all that sort of thing. But it's uh, it's just a reminder of the urgency of the work we're doing uh, because there are still, you know, the kids, that some of the kids that I knew then, Uh, are now adults on the streets. And so I still want to work with them and get them off the streets. Um, But, uh, you know, despite the setbacks, despite the sadness, we've got to remain focused on why we are here and what Mm -hmm. God has called us to do. Yeah.
0: So without a family, it falls to you to plan the funeral even.
1: Yeah, we have to do everything. We have to um, sometimes we have to be the people that pick up the body and take the body away. Uh, But uh, we're now trying to get the body released from the morgue. Uh, We have to find somebody, uh, anybody that's got the same surname as her, that can come with us and we can claim her body. And then we can um, do the whole thing of of a wake overnight and then burial the next morning. So hopefully in the next couple of days, uh, we'll be able to lay her to rest. Well, God bless you in that effort, Dunk. You are going to keep doing this? Uh, Yes, sir. I'm I'm here to the end. Um, you know, someone said, you know, you don't give up um, uh, just because you're tired. You give up when you're finished. And there's still a lot more to do. There's still a lot more countries where there are literally thousands and thousands of children living on the streets. And more and more, the passion in my heart grows for those children. But it's not just me that's going to be doing this work. It's going to be these young people that we've seen rescued off the streets where God has transformed their lives, they're the ones already that are working um out on the streets. They're the ones that are doing the work. Those are the ones that I know will have the stories to tell the kids that are living on the streets in other countries, how God has worked in their hearts. And to see this transformation right through to the end, I'd love to be able to come to a place where there were no more children on in the streets in the whole world so uh, we've, we've achieved great things here because of what God's done, and we feel we really want to carry on that work and do it in as many countries as we can.
0: It was so good to catch up with Dunk Dyson to get an update on this ministry in Central America. Of course, there's much more to his story, and we have placed links to it at firstpersoninterview.com. There you can read more about all that's been accomplished and remains to be done in Guatemala and other places. On the other side of the globe, the Far East Broadcasting Company is reaching many countries with the hope of the gospel. Just one aspect of FEBC's ministry is reaching deep into ethnic minority populations, sharing the good news in their own micro-language. You can read more about this at febc.org. And we're grateful for FEBC's support of these first-person interviews. Once again, go to febc.org. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.